Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And today joining me is none other than Marette Monson, LCSW. Welcome, Marette. Thank you, Paul. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Thanks. I I got a heads up from one of my guests recently. And folks, you might remember my interview with Kimberly Giles who wrote the book Choosing Clarity. Kim is amazing. I just had another meeting with her yesterday, a business meeting. We're doing a neat little project together. And she said, Dr. Paul, you really should talk to Marette Monson. (laughs) And I said, why? And she said, because she really knows her stuff. Thanks, Kim. (laughs) And your stuff is something that that has caught my attention. It's, It's intriguing. You work with something that we call compassion fatigue. Yes, I do. What the heck is that? (laughs) Can you give us a quick definition? Sure, I'm happy to. So compassion fatigue is is a condition that comes from helping others. Um, And it actually occurs in most cases when you help people. But what it does is when you're helping others, it drains your emotional energy. So, you know, as you're working Mm. with someone and helping them, it's sucking some of that emotional energy. And then Mm. what happens is you don't have enough emotional energy to take care of other things in your life. So it's very pervasive and Mm. it has some side effects and symptoms that if left untreated can really cause some negative effects from helping. It causes burnout. It also can cause right. secondary traumatic stress disorder from helping and things mm. like that. So actually the helpers are starting to need some help. Exactly. And it's you much know. more pervasive than most people think. Well, I'm just thinking as as you've introduced the topic here, uh, there's there's so many areas where this could apply. I'm thinking of moms, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of people who volunteer service, yes. either for their church or their community or humanitarian cause. I'm, obviously, the, the context in which you work with it the most is helping professionals mm-hmm. um, like uh, social workers, psychologists, therapists, mm-hmm. who constantly, day after day, sit in a chair where they get to engage with people's problems. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that can really drain them. Absolutely. And I've seen it in caregivers. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a, a, a child who's really difficult to deal with and you're providing care or, or older parents, right. um, there are so many situations where people experience this. They usually describe it as some kind of burnout. Burnout, right. right. Without recognizing that there really is a difference between compassion fatigue and burnout and that compassion fatigue mm. is really easily treated. And mm-hmm. you don't have to continue suffering those symptoms. So burnout. Now, that's a, a term that a lot of people are going to be a little more familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you distinguish between the two? Is it important to make that distinction, do you think? Sure. Definitely it can be. Um, burnout mm-hmm. is different because when you're burned out, you don't care about helping others. You don't care about alleviating the suffering anymore. You oh, lose that okay. sense of compassion. It's now gone. 
Think of it like oh. compassion fatigue, maybe left untreated for a long time, Can leads lead into to. burnout, right? So you're looking at burnout as a more serious level or a more significant mm-hmm. um, Right. If you're burned out, you don't care anymore. So then you usually mm-hmm. just end up quitting, doing the act, quitting the activity that you used to do. But people who have compassion fatigue still really care about alleviating the suffering of somebody else. They feel a sense of responsibility Mm -hmm. for it. And so because of that, there's an added measure of guilt placed on that because they want to help others. They feel responsible for it, but they don't have the emotional energy to do it. So their Mm. things are falling through the cracks and then they feel guilty. It leads to depression, anxiety, and other things like that. Whereas people who are burnout, they just go, I'm leaving work or I'm leaving that job or I'm, I'm leaving that person and I'm never going to talk to him again. And I just don't care. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Out of here. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. So what we're talking about here with compassion fatigue, it's really catching this before it becomes something that takes you out of the game or gets you in a position where you really can't help the people that that originally you, you really do care about. Absolutely. I think that's my purpose. Mm. You know, that's my mission Mm -hmm. is to make it so that other people who help, who do great work can continue to help because they can, if they catch this soon enough, we won't lose many good people in all of these volunteer opportunities. Mm -hmm. We can continue to utilize them and change the world, you know, intentionally. So how would like our listeners, for example, we've got a lot of people who listen to this show who are very, compassionate, mm-hmm. I would say, who who are really geared toward identifying the needs that other people have and finding a way to help meet that need. How can they tell? What are some of the signs that would say, oh, wow, I'm probably experiencing some compassion fatigue. Now we've got a name for <laughs> it, right? Yes. What, what do you encourage people to look for? What are some of those signs? That's a great question. There are many signs, and you don't have to have all of them in order to have some bit of compassion fatigue. Right. I imagine it's on a uh, kind of a continuum. mm -hmm. It it could be more severe or less severe. And Mm -hmm. so some of the signs. So some of the signs that you may be experiencing compassion fatigue are that you have intrusive thoughts. So, for example, you're Hmm. in the process of helping someone get through something really difficult But you're supposed to be at the grocery store shopping, but instead you're thinking about helping this person and getting them through something difficult. So you're not focused Mm. on what you should be, what your helping activities are now carrying over or bleeding into other areas of your life with intrusive thoughts. You know what? Oh, excuse me. I just had a a vapor lock there. (laughs) Marette, I was listening to some... uh, research that has just come out that goes right along these lines and they were measuring people's level of stress that that is eventually connected to things like anxiety and depression but this this stress level was being correlated with mind wandering Mm -hmm. okay and that's Mm -hmm. what i just thought of when you were saying that because when i'm not in the moment when i'm not present here and now with what I'm doing in this moment, but my mind is wandering or being sucked into this issue or this problem that's not even my problem. Exactly. That's one of Mm -hmm. the signs. It's one of the signs. You're not living that moment intentionally anymore. Well, in this particular study, Mm -hmm. 
pointed out that this was the highest correlate that they found in this particular study with mental health problems like depression. It's mind-wandering. It's not being present in what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. I can totally see that. I see it every day in my work. So that is one of the signs. Yeah. Another one I think that's important to recognize is that when you have compassion fatigue, it hinders your ability to spring back from normal everyday stressors that you've been able to handle in the past. Mm -hmm. So let's say that maybe you have a really difficult child that's been hard to parent from day one. And Mm. you know that you've been dealing with it the whole time. Right. And when you get compassion fatigue, though, suddenly you snap at that kid. Suddenly you handle it in a different way that you haven't before. And you end up going, what Mm. happened to my patients? It's, you know, I, I could have handled that differently. I knew how to do it. I've been dealing with this for a long time. Yet at that moment, I couldn't. Something was missing. And that's because your emotional energy Mm. reserves were so low that you couldn't rely on those old ways of coping to handle those situations anymore. It's like you don't have your full resources on board. You're not completely equipped to Mm -hmm. take it on. Exactly. Mm. So then that's why it's pervasive and it starts to affect relationships and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Things that may not be related at all to the to the stress. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. To the specific stress. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're watching for changes, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be able to handle this in a particular way, and lately I've just been not handling it that way. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Compassion fatigue usually comes on really suddenly. Where mm. burnout comes really slowly over time. But with compassion... Really? It comes yeah, suddenly? comes really suddenly. So like with compassion mm. fatigue, one day you're feeling fine. You're feeling like you can handle this. You got a handle on it. Um, and then the next day you're like, I can't even get out of bed this morning. And I don't even know why. And I'm snappy at my family members. And I just don't want to talk to people mm. about their problems anymore. And, you know. and then the next day you might be fine again. So it, it really comes on really suddenly. So it can kind of come and go, too. It comes and goes, and it seems like it's without cause. So when you're thinking about it, you're like, I don't know what's any different about today versus yesterday. Right. I still have the same responsibilities to care and to serve mm. today that I did yesterday, but I am not handling them well today, mm. and I can't identify a particular cause. And it might just mean that this fatigue is setting in. <laughs> right. It's, it's just it's just because okay. you've been helping. Your energy reserves have been draining your emotional energy. At- so you're not saying that, the, that there's something wrong with this person. You're just saying this is kind of the pattern that we observe when you are engaged in helping activities, mm-hmm. and it's tied specifically to that, isn't it? Where, Absolutely. Where you're giving, you're serving. It's not abnormal. And I think it's important to recognize that because when people do get feeling those things, they start then to think negatively about themselves and they start to question, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I should stop helping. Maybe Mm. I'm not doing any good. Yeah, that's the answer. Just quit serving. (laughs) Quit serving. Stop helping. Stop changing the world. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that's not how, you know, that's not going to help. Yeah, please don't go there. Don't go there. And that's why we want to normalize this and talk about it and say we Mm. all experience these symptoms. If you're a helper, you'll experience these symptoms in the course of helping. And it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. there's anything wrong with you. It just means you are doing a great job as a helper and you care. And because you care, it's draining your reserves. Yeah, it does. It does. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting over here with 20 years of clinical psychology in my experience. And I'm like, oh yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens to me. I've experienced it. Yeah. I still experience it. So is there anything else about this that you want to share with people in terms of identifying it or seeing that, that this is probably something that's going on with me? Any, any other signs that we haven't that talked we about to... yet that you think we should? Well, you know, I think with compassion fatigue, it's important to recognize that you are also kind of really snippy with other people in your lives. You don't have yeah. as much compassion for them. So you have a lot of compassion for the people that you're helping, but the people who your family then members you go or bark friends, at your spouse or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they often are like, what's wrong with you? You would tolerate that behavior in a client, but in me, you are totally, you know, yelling at me and not handling it well. Right. So that's, so if you notice that discrepancy, mm. like you're treating the people in your life differently than the ones that you're helping, that's something to keep in mind. And maybe watching out for that because it, it seems to me, and maybe, maybe you can clarify this, that the people who are closest to us might see it before we do. Absolutely. I think they do see it before we do. And so it's important that that people that are around us recognize this too, just as much as we do. So they can point it out and say, you know, maybe you just have a little bit of compassion fatigue right now and Uh. and acknowledging that and that it's okay. And then it happens to all of us. So there could be some benefit in just labeling it, Mm -hmm. calling it what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's some things we can do about it. And then there's some things we can do. Right. Well, beautiful. I think that that sets us up perfectly for the second half of this conversation, which will come up in just a few minutes. But thank you for setting that up for us. So folks, let's start to identify where this might be showing up for us. And especially because you are such a loving, giving person, it's probably going to be an issue sometime. Absolutely. I think it is for all of us. Okay, this is Maret Monson at Live on Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, Live on Purpose Radio listeners. The fact that you're listening to this show probably means that you're a fan of personal development. Your personal development library should include copies of both of my books, Pathological Positivity and the pocket-sized companion, Portable Positivity. There's a .com for both titles so you can share these books with others. I also have a special offer just for listeners of the show. Go to drpauljenkins.com forward slash L-O-P-R for Live On Purpose Radio. I'll send you signed copies of both for a special discounted rate. That's drpauljenkins.com forward slash L-O-P-R. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R. 
drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com Peace is not the absence of chaos or conflict, but rather finding yourself in the midst of that chaos and remaining calm in your heart. John Rose Okay, you set us up. Marat, we've got this new thing. It's not even new. We're just learning more about it now. It's called compassion fatigue. And folks, as you were listening to the first half of our show today, maybe you're noticing that this shows up for you as a parent or as a volunteer or as a leader or as a helper of some kind. Um, It's normal. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. Right. Uh, it doesn't mean you should stop serving. In fact, that would be the worst thing. <laughs> if all of our helpers just quit, Marette, what would the world look oh, like? I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So we're not going to go there. But there are some steps that people can take if if they're identifying these signs that you described in the first segment today. Absolutely. Um, walk us through this. Okay, I'm happy do? to do that. Yeah, because I want you to be able to continue to help. That's important. So yeah. I think one of the things we need to realize first as we're talking about these steps is that it is treatable. That is important to recognize and that it's easy to do, right? Oh, good. <laughs> so the first we're thing... We're not doomed to destruction. <laughs> we're not doomed to destruction. So I want you to first recognize what causes the compassion fatigue and people often think that it's their environment that causes it. Mm. Uh, You know, that if I wasn't working with this very difficult population Mm -hmm. or I didn't have to be on call so much or all of Mm -hmm. these things, then I wouldn't be burned out. I often hear that. And actually I first want to say that's not true. That's actually a myth. It's not your environment that causes compassion fatigue. What what causes compassion fatigue is a lack of antibodies, if you will, because if you are exposed to a virus in your environment, you're not going to catch it if you have antibodies against it. And we're exposed to them all the time. we're exposed to them all the time. And so you have to understand that in order to combat this, it's not about removing you from the environment. It's not about stopping you from helping. It's about developing some resiliency within yourself so that you can go into that environment and withstand helping. Fortifying yourself so Mm -hmm. that you're ready to go do it. Absolutely. Okay. So one way to do that is to regulate your body. This is something that most people don't think about. Mm. But when you are in a situation that you view as a threat and helping others is a threatening situation, because what if they Mm. don't take your advice? You know, what if Mm. it doesn't work? What if your reputation is at stake? There are many different things that can be threatening or viewed as a threat in that environment. Right. That activates your sympathetic nervous system, which kicks on antibody or, um, 
chemicals that go through your system, right? right? That fight or flight reaction. The fight or flight reaction. You get We've that kind of about that here yeah, before. that on edge kind of feeling. Sure. And what that does is it drains you emotionally. That seeps your reserves when you mm-hmm. are feeling like you're in threat and you're always on guard that way when you're helping. And so to keep your body relaxed is very critical. So we usually teach some relaxation like breathing skills or yes. relaxing your muscles. And if you are going to take a break in between helping, then don't just sit there. You need to be relaxing your body while you're doing it. And even yeah. while you're talking to people, you need to be aware of your body and how tight and tense it is and relax. And it is amazing the difference that that makes just relaxing your body. You'll eliminate the intrusive symptoms and you'll eliminate the nightmares and things like that if you can relax your body. Just a simple relaxation Mm -hmm. of the body. Simple relaxation of the body. I know it sounds too simple to be true, but sometimes good things are. (laughs) But you know what, Marat, this this ties right into everything that we know about neurophysiology because it does trigger different chemicals into your bloodstream. And we've got studies that show cortisol, for example, or the uh, adrenaline, or uh, there's these chemicals that have a very predictable effect on your body. And it's for the purpose of gearing you up for the fight or flight response. But over a prolonged period of time, it tends to have more detrimental effects on your body. Mm -hmm. So the physical relaxation actually has a lot of reasons why that is a really good starting point. It's a great starting point. So I always recommend that you work okay, on great. that, master that, stay calm, keep your body calm when you're helping okay. other people. Mm-hmm. So then what? So then the second thing is we call it intentionality. And what that means is... Uh, uh, this is Live on Purpose Radio. I know. Okay. <laughs> you know all about intentionality, Sweet. right? But we bring it right into that and we say, okay, why did you become a helper in the first place? What was your intention? Right. Let's get back in touch with purpose? that. What is the purpose with what you're doing, right? And we identify a purpose that you had for doing that particular thing. Nice. And what causes compassion fatigue is a breach of intentionality. So when you Mm. are not living that purpose, when you went into it expecting this result and it did not happen, and so you're not living that purpose... That causes an emotional drain. It throws off your system. Throws off your system. So we go back to that and say, let's remind you of what that purpose is. And we actually say, write it down. You know, what kind of helper do you want to be? I want to be kind. I want to be meek. I want to be humble. I want to be someone that changes the world. Who is that? You know, Right. And then make sure that you are handling every situation that comes up true to that purpose or that mission. And then you don't get distracted by all of the minutiae that comes up in the process of dealing mm-hmm. with the messes. You really don't. And then if your helping doesn't work, like maybe the person didn't change or, mm-hmm. you know, then you can say, but did I handle it according to my mission? Did am I do I on it on purpose? Right. Am I doing this intentionally on purpose? And if I am, I'm okay. I'm good. I can feel good about that work. Yeah. The surgery was a success, but the patient mm-hmm. died. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> So that's the second thing is working on that. Okay. The third thing is called perceptual maturation. This is important to recognize that your perception of how you help changes over time. I'm sure it did for you from now versus when you first started doing what you did. Absolutely. And there are certain perception changes that happen as you mature that -hmm. help you be able to develop the antibodies. For example, one of those might be something like, I am not responsible for the outcome of my helping. I'm only responsible for the quality of my helping. 
Nice. Right? So if you believe that and you have that perception, then whether or not someone chooses to take advantage of the service that you're offering mm-hmm. doesn't matter. What matters is that you made the offering with quality and with purpose or mission. That's Nanny McPhee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you seen that movie? Uh-huh. I have five lessons to teach these children. Yes. What they learn is up to them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it. Because if you feel responsible for all of the outcomes. Oh, my heavens. You are obviously going to feel burned out or compassion fatigue because you can't control. You have zero control over that. Zero control over whether they take advantage of that. But so how you show up and how you stay on purpose that's the part you control right and so we help them make that perception shift another one might be something like there will always be more needs than i can meet and people will never be satisfied with that offer that sounds so obvious when you say it Mm -hmm. but connect with the truth of that yeah there will always be more needs than you can meet Absolutely. Because if you're struggling to um, always feel like you're on top of things, like Mm -hmm. when I get this done, then I'll feel good. You will never get to that point. You'll Mm -hmm. never get to that point. There will always be another person who needs help. And at some point you have to cut it off and say, I'm good where I'm at right now. And I'm going to, you know, leave my helping aside and go take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'll feel good when I get this done. You know what? The research in positive psychology suggests that it's the other way around. You're more likely to get this done when you feel good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Well, I know for me, that's helped me leave the office, you know, leave things on the desk. Just say, okay, you know what? There's going to be more needs than I can meet. And so yeah. it's all right for me to leave and go home for the day or, you know. Not get to everything. Put a little lid on the mess. It'll be there tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So those are, and there's a few more perception changes, but we work on that. Changing your perception of what it is that you're experiencing. That's huge. Uh Yes, absolutely. Nice. Let's see. How many do we have so far? We've got three so far. Okay. And you (laughs) said that there's five? (laughs) Yeah. What's next? There's five. Okay. So then five and only five, (laughs) (laughs) five wonderful things. Actually, Well, and this gives you a starting place. I mean, you could take any of these five and and expand it Mm -hmm. or enhance it depending on what your personal circumstances are. Absolutely. I think they all could help at different times and in different places. Yeah. So after the maturing perceptions, Mm -hmm. what do you go to next? After the maturing perceptions, it's time for a connection. Connection is really important. Connection. Mm-hmm. Connection. Okay. Yes. What that means is you need to have someone, we call them a compassion fatigue buddy. Okay. Someone <laughs> that you can call when you're feeling drained. Okay. And, and their job is not just for you to listen to you vent about how, you know, hard it is for you to do this particular thing right. anymore. And, how people are taking advantage of you or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not venting, but it's really about you saying, I'm experiencing these symptoms right Mm. now of compassion fatigue. I'm snapping at my spouse. I'm really tired to go into work. You know, I'm having these symptoms. So I know I'm experiencing compassion fatigue. And then explaining what's going on. And that buddy, their job is to say, What's your mission? Are you living that mission? Did you handle that situation according to that? Right? To get Mm -hmm. you back on purpose. Yep. And what can you do to handle it differently so that you can? And that's all they do is just listen and then prompt you to get back on 
to, to get onto these steps. Absolutely. So we recommend having two or three different compassion fatigue buddies who know that you might be in a high risk situation who are willing to do that. Just listen to you and yeah. help you get back on track again. Connection. So these people need to be educated a little bit about this process too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we, we have a little thing where we send them an email or a phone call and say, Hey, this is what I'm going through. Here's what I need you to do. Right. I need you to do these particular you coach things. Your coach. You coach your coach. Right. This is how you can help me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one awesome. is self care. So we hear about self care a lot. Yeah. And that's probably the most common thing that people talk about when treating compassion fatigue. They don't usually talk about the first four steps. They usually only do the last. Yeah. But self care is important. And that's where, you know, are you eating right? Are you sleeping well? Are you taking care of yourself financially? Are you taking time off? Are you having time to rest and relax? Mm -hmm. Are you, you know, taking care of your family the way that you want to? All of those things are really important. That's, you know what? That's probably the one that people think is the solution. They do. And that's the one that comes to, I just need to take Mm -hmm. care of myself. Well, yes, that's true, but not sufficient. Absolutely. It doesn't actually heal you from experiencing the other symptoms. Right. It's just kind of a prevention. And that's why it's number five, not number one. All the others come before it. And it's well-placed. It, it is important, yes. But it's not the answer to this whole thing. It's just something yeah. you need to do. Right. Well, I remember when I first um, became a full-time helper in this profession. Mm-hmm. And I always thought all I needed to do was take a good vacation once in a while. I'd be fine. Yeah. And now I realize that that's not true. Like, <laughs> it's great to take a vacation, but I took a lot of that compassion fatigue with me. Yeah. And you will. You'll pack it around mm-hmm. unless you're doing these other steps that actually help you to reframe it, get back on purpose, making mm-hmm. sure that, that you're handling the very basic fundamentals there. Absolutely. Wow, Marat, we've covered a lot. Yeah, I know. In this I wish short we had more time. Program. Well, there's other options. Oh, good. Right? Yes. You've got a website. Tell us I where do. people can go to find you. My website is www.maretmonson.com. So I'm going to spell okay, my spell name. Spell Marat. Yes. Yeah. It's M A R E T T E. M A R E T T E. Monson spelled M O N S O N. S-O-N on the Monson. So MoretteMonson.com. Yes. And uh, people can connect with you there. They've, there's resources. Mm-hmm. You do this this work. I do this work, yes. So you'd be happy to take on clients. I would, yep. But you also speak and you mm-hmm. teach. And I think you're doing a conference yep. later this week. I'm doing a conference later this week for helping professionals to teach these kind of things. Yeah. I've spoken at national conferences before. Beautiful. Uh, you know, if you need me to come and speak to your group, I'm happy to do that. It's important to me to get the word out because I want us to be able to continue to help others. That's what oh, changes yeah. the world. Here she is, Marette Monson, helping the helpers. <laughs> and we got to have a lot of helpers, don't we? Yes. Folks, hopefully you've picked up something that is directly applicable to you. You are the helpers as well. It's us that makes the difference. Go out there and live on purpose. <laughs>